On this special Halloween bonus episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the WNUF Halloween special from 2013. Joining us will be author and comic book writer Troy Brownfield. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. You're watching the WNUF Halloween Special. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is a bonus episode. This is Brandon. And with me, as always... Your co-hoster who's channeling Elvis, Colin. I, I'm not going to do an Elvis impersonation. That's a trap, and I'm not going to fall for it. Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade to our special bonus episode, which means you've gotten two episodes two weeks in a row, and you're going to get one next week. So that's like three in a row. Have at that, Gary. Today, this episode is the WNUF Halloween special. Colin, why is it so special? Originally broadcast live on October 31st, 1987, the WNUF Halloween special is a stunning expose of terrifying supernatural activity that unfolded at the infamous Weber House, the site of ghastly murders. Local television personality Frank Stewart leads a group of paranormal investigators, including Catholic exorcist Father Joseph Matheson and their prolific husband and wife team Lewis and Claire Berger. Together, experts explore the darkest corners of the supposedly haunted Weber house, trying to prove the existence of the demonic entities within. Did they find the horrific truth or simply put superstitious rumors to rest? The WNUF Halloween special is real. So, you know, everybody's... No, I'm just kidding. It's written and directed by Chris LaMartina, Paul Farenkopf, Nicolette LaFay, Leanna Shamish, Richard Cutting, Brian St. August, and Helen Marie Ball. We're not going to talk about this one alone. With us, we have author and comic book writer Troy Brownfield. Hey guys, no I'm problem, Troy. Hope you're doing good. Welcome to the show. Glad I was able to come and talk about this because I think this is going to be a fun. But yeah, one, you're not so. only a comic book guy; you're a, you're a big horror guy too. Yeah, Simpsons has kind of ruined comic book guys. Any kind of descriptor, <laughs> I think. But true. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, I, I'm just a longtime horror fan, both uh, film and fiction, and then you know obviously uh, there's all the uh, comic work as you referenced. With that, you know, kind of related, I just worked on a Halloween special for Zenoscope, the 2016 Halloween special, which is fun. That's the second year in a row I've gotten to do that. A lot of my comic work does tend to kind of fall in the horror and dark fantasy camp, as it is, and in January. There's actually a collection of all of my Blood Queen stuff coming out from Dynamite in one volume, uh, the Blood Queen Omnibus. It's a series that I uh, did at Dynamite. We did two miniseries in uh, 
2015, the original mini, the Blood Queen versus Dracula mini, and then the annual I did. It's a pretty substantial amount of material in one volume, which is pretty cool. But also some other stuff I did recently. I just did the Grim Fairy Tales annual for Zenoscope and uh, two issues of Grim Tales of Terror in the last couple of months. I did uh, number nine and number 12, but 12 just came out a couple of weeks back. So um, non-horror stuff I'm doing right now. Um, I write a webcomic called Spark Shooter that's uh, set in Indianapolis music scene circa 2003 for, you know, extremely specific uh, <laughs> slice of the genre right there. But it's it's a comedy, you know, and it, it's really, there, there's reasons why it's set then, um, which you would find out if you read it. But um, we will be launching the first page, first story page of the ninth chapter of that on uh, Wednesday. So at sparkshooter.com, we've got about 189 pages of story that you can check out. Excellent, excellent. And uh, you also, didn't you write a book um, like Prince Dracula or something like that, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, available on Amazon through Dynamite Publishing, who also published Blood Queen. They've got a few kind of Amazon originals that they've worked with, and that's available in both, uh, you know, Kindle and uh, print. So you can check that out. The possibility still lingers that we might do more with that, but right now it's, uh, you know, it's doing okay. It's, it's kind of had an interesting spike, which I think is, you know, probably Halloween related. You know, those, those things do tend to bounce up and down, but, um, I'm working on a, uh, another novel right now. That's more of a science fiction bent. I've been working on that for a while. And I'm also working on, uh, putting up on Amazon, like a collection of short stories that are more horror material, um, which, you know, as that happens, I'll have, you know, more information about that on my social media and stuff, but that that's getting closer. Another thing I mean, is if you're not busy enough, uh, you're writing some stuff for walking dead right now. I wrote, um, just did a big piece about kind of fan reaction to the latest episode of uh, my, historically I've been, uh, kind of a comic journalist and so forth, an entertainment journalist prior to really writing comics. I kind of segued out of one and into the other, but you know, this was something I kind of felt strongly about is kind of interested by the fan reaction, which, I, I took on a very particular uh, segment of it, which is kind of the the reaction to kind of the viciousness of the episode, which my stance was kind of, what did you think you were watching? Uh, <laughs> because, yeah. you, you know, my, my take on the, my takeaway on this, and it's it's a legitimate takeaway. I'm not just you know trying to mock anybody or anything, but I think that so much of the fandom of this show that goes beyond the scope of the comic and the scope of horror fandom is that there's a lot of fandom for this show that's in it for just very particular characters or in it for, like, the zombie kill of the week. And that when a human character dies horribly, they have this really visceral reaction to it. They're like, I'm never watching it again. And I'm kind of like, this is what horror is. There's a lot of people that watch Walking Dead that aren't, like, into even, like, horror, but they watch Walking Dead. Yeah. And and so when a horror thing happens to a character, they kind of freak out and so that's one of the things i kind of took on and talked about you know and even looked at a little bit of the artfulness of how those scenes were directed in last night's episode because i think they're really interesting you know in terms of camera framing and so forth so i talked a little bit about that i talked a little bit about hitchcock um, how he shot the psycho shower scene and then i talked just a little bit about you know what happens when creators try to protect their characters like what happened on heroes uh, versus Lost, which you know did not give a fuck at a certain right. point. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, well, and one of the things I always thought was great about Lost was, you know, the first major character that they kill is like the good-looking young white guy, which is the total opposite of what a lot of 
genre yeah. does. In fact, three of the first four major characters killed on Lost were white people, uh, which is a really big departure. Yeah. <laughs> when, but as I say, to be they, fair, that show had a lot of good-looking white guys on it. Yeah, so true. They, they could but, thin it out a little bit. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's just like mm-hmm. it was. It was just one of those things that there, there's lots of. They did lots of tinkering with convention, um, but. You know, and Walking Dead kind of it's it's an interesting thing to talk about, I think, and that you know, I spent a lot of years doing comic book journalism with Newsarama and so forth, and quite frankly, there's not a lot of sites that are really getting into the heavy conversation anymore. A lot of it's turned into, you know, top ten lists and stuff like that. And my kind of specialty was always big look, long. Look columns. at these look at these pictures we <laughs> and, we Googled and stole and made just into a ten list. Yeah. Yes. Moving on, uh, the the uh, WNUF Halloween special. So um, everybody's been watching this for years. It's a tradition, right? This is uh, you guys have no? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I Colin, I told you about this. Had you heard about this before, Troy? Okay. I had not actually, and I, I'm really kind of surprised. I, at, yeah, it's I... it's truly a modern cult film because it's. I mean, it's hard to cult movies it's hard to it's hard to have them nowadays in this information age like you can hear about finding information yeah. mm-hmm. on everything but this is one of those truly still called items i mean it's the the most recent film we've ever covered on this show but i found out about it watching someone like live tweet watching it and i was like what is this and i looked and i found it and you had to buy at the time it's not up anymore but you had to buy the dvd from like a specialty site and it was like 34 dollars from this like like you couldn't buy it on Amazon and now nuts. I see it's on you know it's on Amazon Prime for rental and you know watch streaming and I think the DVD's on there now but this was a couple years ago and I couldn't couldn't find it like anywhere and finally got you know through my own channels yeah. uh, was able to see it but I was like oh wow this is really cool it's you know basically for those who don't know it's basically like finding a VHS tape of some like old uh, local news broadcast on Halloween from like the 80s yeah it looks like like a fifth or sixth generation yeah they VHS said they copied tape. it like five or six times for the final cut of the film uh the vhs they put it on vhs and copied it a bunch and they did uh their marketing for this movie was just you know mailing it to random people on vhs and they go to like conventions and stuff and leave it places trying to get like a quiet, oh, like they went yeah. to a vhs convention that happened somewhere um and left copies in the bathroom like randomly inserted it in like people's like piles and stuff and just trying to get this underground marketing going it's like what is this it's kind of interesting from the standpoint of like you said i mean you you defined it really perfectly that this is an on demand world and you can kind of get anything at any time you used to have to work for the oddity you know it wasn't available on streaming it wasn't something you could order and have you know maybe in 2 days if something was out that you heard about, you had to mm-hmm. really work. Like I remember really having to work to get a racer head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you had to work, or you had to know yeah. somebody in a click, like personally, that you were around, or some guy came from out of town to tell you about something, and you had to, like, you know, it's just a crazy different world. Yeah, and I, I think that that's one of the things that's really great about this movie is that you know I sunk right, right. into it. You know, in 1980, uh, October yeah. of 1987, I was. 14 you know or let's see 87 yeah i would have just turned 14 and yeah man it slotted all kinds of memories for me of not just the way the commercials were structured and everything stuff that we'll be talking about but it it hit so many notes in such an authentic way and that's something that i bitch about constantly when movies do the 80s 
the wedding singer is probably the one I've complained the most about. Not, you know, not that it's not funny or anything, but a lot of period films act like a decade happened all right. at once. Yeah. And, you know, the wedding singer kind of purports to take place in like 1988 or whatever. Like, why is he still dressed as boy, boy George? Exactly. In, it's in like, character and then the the flock of seagulls guy at the counter you know the thriller jacket would be to the bad jacket at this time yeah Uh, yeah it's like god that kind of drove me nuts (laughs) they won't realize that there's two sides of the 80s there was like the hangover of the 70s part of the 80s and then like the super 80s and then like that weird mesh with the 90s where the early 90s 80s which was some Mm. weird weird stuff when fanny packs and, started to emerge, and, and and I loved I loved Stranger mm-hmm. Things. I thought Stranger that's Things was we, great. Uh, that's why we. That's why really only had... this I, because you know nostalgia for that is like really big right now, and this is a big nostalgia trip. Yeah. This movie. Yeah, yeah but it, it, it doesn't feel you know, like it. I mean, not it's not like right. it's done it intentionally, but you it ends up just happening. Yeah. Well, and my my only note on Stranger Things that was like jarring was. They they have the scene of the the brothers sitting on the bed talking about the clash, which I thought was just an awesome scene. But you know when he mentions the Smiths, and the Smiths' first record went came out for yeah, another year. Yeah, there was a year, couple of music cues that which, were out at the time too in that show. And, and I thought it was kind of hilariously awesome in a way because I'm like, this kid in Indiana is the most plugged right. in kid. In music. <laughs> like somebody somebody mailed him a copy of some cassette demo of this band and it's like wait till you hear this guitar player and the singer is such a dick <laughs> um you know you're, you're gonna love this yeah. band you know it's like that was that was like my mental right resolution well, then they had, with like, that the it's thing like, poster on the wall like nobody had a thing poster that movie bombed like nobody no, it I, wasn't even in a store to get yeah well, he uh, knew, you know the the a video rental store hello that's right yeah <laughs> You have these these like little progressions, and man, th- this movie really makes me think of every bit of that. It's one of the great things about it is like those commercials and just that factor of it is kind of overwhelming. If you lived through it, um, I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't a kid then, or you know, if you didn't live in that time period, it's going to be really strange I think to look anybody at. Anybody who is but, kid. But if, like maybe eighty-seven to like ninety-four would probably get this. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It is dripping, just like with like local yeah, production. That's... You know, that's that's the most nostalgic thing about it for me, just because every one of those, just like every uh, piece of the news and every commercial, is just clearly a local get, production. It, it's crazy. They it's get it so right. That's the thing. It's like there's yeah. no <laughs> missteps really at all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of alarming. And, you know, it's it's also funny because um, I worked on the radio side of a, a TV and radio station for three years while I was in college. Not the campus one, but a local one. And I did radio news, but it was like the local CBS affiliate. So you had TV news studio and everything right over there. And then like around the hall and stuff were the FM and AM radio sites. And I did news on the news talk station and on the country station. So... I got to see a lot of those local commercials produced and have the local news people come through. And man, there's just another level of weird accuracy about the local newscast and just mm-hmm. kind of the, the stilted humor. And yeah. <laughs> oh they, my God. They, they nailed that so 
hard. Yeah, let's, um, let's yeah, let's get into that note local newscast. The WNUF Evening News with your host Gavin Gordon and Deborah Merritt. Don't check your dial, folks. You didn't tune into Transylvania's public access station. No, sir. Tonight is Halloween. I mean, we open, it starts with the tape playing, and then there's like a, a brief moment of an STD commercial to open this. Well, there's yeah. nothing sexy <laughs> there's nothing about sexy STDs. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that way you know they put out. To right. be fair, that's a turn on. Yeah. The lifelong disease is a bit of a turn off. So, you know. We have, oh, whatever. Get, make, TV make 28, WNUF, uh, the, the news broadcast with Gavin Gordon and Deborah Merritt. And it's, you know, that local, like, they're dressed up like Dracula and a witch for their news segments making corny dad jokes. It's back well, when, and, like, local news had yeah. fun instead of trying to be more important than what they actually are, which is local right. news. Breaking news. Breaking news. That's yeah. It's yeah. it's before news was sensationalized. And, yeah. And Gavin Gordon's uh, almost like a, a Fred Willard type. Uh, yes. And Deborah Merritt. Mm-hmm. The thing. I, this she's great because she's a very like by the book to the script person. Like he tries to get her to go off script and she just refuses and has this like fake <laughs> smile yes. on her face and there's like there's like a depressing yeah. sadness to like who she is. <laughs> I've seen this uh, multiple times now, and it's just it's it it's fascinating to me, like how how much I get about this person from from this character. She is wonderful. I mean, she has the exact. And this is like a weird thing to say. She she is the exact epitome of local news anchor sexiness, which is the kind of bland, studied, frozen hair. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Those, people yeah that they that they carry off and it's like and if you ever meet any of those people in person they always have that with just a touch of being like really yeah. tired because yes. their hours suck and like everybody thinks they know them right. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and i got i i get that from that character which is so weird but yeah. it, she carries it off really they, well but there's someone responsible with delivering knowledge to people but they are the most clueless like, people and you really read that from her. I mean, she's like two her. steps away from being a robot, almost. <laughs> and then at the mm-hmm, end... Yeah. Mm-hmm. She only knows what she's programmed right. to and know. And the end when she's like, oh, no, yeah. I'm just going to stay at home with my cats. And that's it. It's like, yep, yeah, you are. Yeah, I, I groaned when I heard that. I thought, <laughs> up yours, fictional character, you square. Um, we go through some news stories with them. Particularly, there's a... I, I like there, there's a shell shock story about a, a vet that a Vietnam vet that kills a young boy dressed as an army person. But the thing I like about this one is like, oh my gosh, this is disturbing. <laughs> and then they fast forward through it, which is like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you know, well, the, the, there's like a darkly humorous subtext there too of that the kid is Asian. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the guy like the guy is clearly a Vietnam vet, and like he sees this short person in military gear show up at his door and he freaks out. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's like kind of a really audacious thing. They're like daring you to laugh at it because like you really, if you really think about it, it's like, wow, we're making this outrageously like borderline racist gag in here. But it, but it's something that's so small town that could totally happen and has. Yeah. That, you know, at the same time, it's like, but you, but they, they knew that button to hit. Which again is is really the fast kind of forward cool. button. Yeah, <laughs> the story. 
Yeah. That was something I thought was funny that occasionally this movie, you know, I, I guess we're like watching someone else watching it because there's a fast forward occasionally yeah. in it. And what's funny is they almost never fast forward through any of the commercials. They only yeah. fast forward to like news right. stories. The, the editing on the news stories is spot on too. That, yeah, uh, like they start mm-hmm. with like some like random shots of things with a voiceover. They go to the the, the actual reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the the dentist. Oh my god, the dentist! The Halloween. Part. While some of us may be afraid of demons and vampires, a dentist's worst nightmare is Halloween. Halloween is a dentist's worst nightmare. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, what was his a Doctor Allen? <laughs> yeah, is that yeah. right? Doctor Stanley Allen. Yeah, where they talked about like the worst time of year for the dentist is Halloween or something like that, or I don't remember exactly, but that that guy, what an actor is what I will say about him. Like, <laughs> what, like the the acting in this movie is like there's some there's some pretty good ones like we've mentioned before, and then there's other people that you think like you were picked up at the Civic Theater, <laughs> and I think Doctor yeah. Allen is one of these people. <laughs> He's like one of the producers' dads or something. This guy was here for a while, and it's been here too long to but replace. I think the thing is with him, <laughs> with his, he's so big as up. Like, you don't forget him. So later on, when they show this exact same story again, you remembered it. So I think that kind yeah. of helps with this one. You're like, wait, this is yeah, the same th- damn story we saw before. Yeah. No, I like that they did that. That would make sense because, like, when like a uh, horrific, unexplained things are happening, they're like, um go to this package that they just have because yeah. this is supposed to be a live telecast so there's just that's sitting around and put it in and play it that makes complete right. sense um, some other stories we get we get like a um a political subplot that will later be told through commercials which is kind of funny that one gets fast yeah. forwarded we also <laughs> have the local sheriff giving the halloween tips <laughs> oh yeah that's a- that's another uh, uh, civic uh, theater uh, oh, I think dynamo him as, like, right there. Cousin of the director. And then there's the the religious nut afraid of Satanism, which is very much the big theme of the movie was the, the fear of Satanism in the 80s. So I, I have a pretty solid memory of, of this kind of exploding in like a really weird way. And, and so this, this is something that's always really interested me as somebody that's lived through it because a lot of people, like younger people, have heard of this and they kind of approach you every once in a while. Like I'll, I'll have students that'll ask me about it in a almost like that was our Vietnam (laughs) 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 in in, in a way, you know, it's like in a way where it's like, I really didn't want to ask my dad about Vietnam, you know, and it's like, I was kind of curious, but like, he never really talked too much about it. So it wasn't, you know, every once in a while I have a student be like, okay, this whole satanic panic thing in the eighties, did that really happen? And you're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) and that's but, so, you know, it's so weird that your experience was different because you know we were certainly around at that time, but I don't remember that at all. I, oh, I only like now hear about yeah. it. I was like, yeah, it was crazy, right? Like, yeah, it I was? don't, I don't remember. Like, I, think a, I remember my thing came with like the taboo of horror movies. Like, was a was it something that doesn't yeah. exist now? That but, like back then, like you know, being a fan of horror movies, you were into something really bad, and you were probably like, you know, even in like the nineties, like I was, you know. Oh, he's probably satanic or whatever. Just because I watched horror movies and like actors wouldn't do horror movie, like low budget horror movies or anything. It was like a big risk for your career at the time because uh-huh. it was just so negatively viewed because of like satanism and sadisticness and stuff like that. Which later we learned, no, it's now it's super yeah. popular and 
the satanic panic thing happened in perfect escalation with the explosion of talk shows because for the longest time like there there's this period where it was basically just like donahue and then like in the 80s the 80s escalated it was like they were stacking and stacking and stacking more and more talk shows and it's like what's the most sensationalistic stuff that we can go to you know what are we going to have that's going to beat the other person and this is before spring or you know fighting this is like all these other talks i remember it really well because my grandmother like she bought like the inquire and weekly world news (laughs) (laughs) And, and so i have I have this specific experience with looking at those as a kid, and two of the things that those magazines ran all the time were stories about the Warrens, like oh, the, the Conjuring yeah. Warrens, and mm-hmm. yeah. Lorraine. They had like Ed Lorraine Warren stories like every month, and they were doing excerpts from these books. And the first one that was a big one uh, was Michelle Remembers, which came out in 1980. And that was really kind of like one of the big flashpoints. Now, I mentioned earlier talking to Brandon that Jack Chick died, the guy that does the Chick tracks, you know, the all the little pamphlets, the comics about how you're going to go to hell for trick-or-treating and everything. Mm-hmm. Jack Chick started like in the 70s, but the real flashpoint of this is like 1980, Michelle Remembers came out, which was a completely made-up book about a girl talking about her history of growing up in satanic ritual abuse. And then there were other books, and like this became a whole thing. And they were all bullshit. <laughs> but these people like traveled like oprah interviewed the girl who wrote satan's underground which was bullshit and that like after she was exposed for that she disappeared and she reinvented herself as like a holocaust survivor like you know and all this i mean this this was stuff that was happening all through the 80s her name was laurel rose wilson so all these things were kind of happening the mcmartin preschool trial which you guys might have heard of they made a great hbo movie about it starring james woods called indictment which was uh, this family that ran a daycare was accused of like the satanic ritual abuse. None of it had happened, but they were spurred by people who like had no psychology degrees who were like bringing up repressed memories that the kids actually didn't have, (laughs) you know, this stuff, this stuff really happened and it went on forever. And I think I was kind of exposed to it, like seeing these magazines and stuff, but, and it went on for a long time. Like the first, you know, 80, like 80 through 85, and then it kind of like swapped out for metal. Like you started having like the metal suicide trials and things. And those were kind mm-hmm. of, you know, re- vaguely related. But there, it was a weird time. Um, the, the time that it was the most personal for me, I was in fifth grade. We, we had a bunch of people that would like play D&D like on lunch and stuff. And the lady that was like one of the people that oversaw the program, she came in and she saw this stack of stuff on like the coat rack where we kept our crap. You know, it's like, Monster Manual, Dungeon Master's Guide. She like flipped out. We were not allowed to bring those to school. We were not allowed to play that. And, like, there's all these reasons for blah blah blah. And we're like, yeah, that's all a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't is. matter. Like our parents, our parents are all cool with it. You know, it's it's imagination. You know, my dad's read my books. He doesn't give a crap. You know, it's like they. It was a whole thing. We weren't allowed to do it. So I, I lived through a very kind of particular thing. Like you mentioned movies and like horror novels and stuff and like Terre Haute's like a very conservative place. And so, you know, I, I got to see a lot of facets of it. So that was a very real thing to me. Like, I'm just giving you like a real, like five minute snapshot of it. I mean, there's a whole lot that I could, that I could talk about at length for a really long time on that topic that I experienced. And so that lady, man, the, the character is so spot on in so many ways 
and that kind of pervasive overtone and like the, the sheriff pushing the urban legend of the razor blades oh, and yeah. apples and stuff. It's never happened. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, started by Reverend, yeah. Reverend Wildman, yeah, there was, wasn't it? It was uh, the, razor blades and apples and like glass in Smarties. Like there's a there's that neighbor yeah. that's, that's gonna were, you know put him in there, but no one ever goes to investigate or or yeah. arrest them. They just let them do it, you know. I think there was one parent that like um there was something wrong with them mentally, and they put like a razor blade like in their kids like candy bar. So it was one person that did it to their own child, and then just from there it just blew up. Like oh they're handing out you know poison candy. Like no, there was just one dickhead. That mistreated his child, and that we were his own suffering child for, for decades. Yeah, yeah. It was just one monster that did this, and no one else was. There's been no cases reported of it it's since like, yeah, then. And it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah, if these people do it, they're they're going to be investigated and arrested. Like what? You know, it's funny. Like yeah, yeah. They, you know, they do it every year, but you know, no one stops them. Yeah, well, uh, let, uh, let's see. These cookies are poison. Who? What was the one house that made yes. cookies? Come on. Oh, I I have a clear I have a clear memory of getting apples and like my mom taking to, them yeah, out of the bag. Yeah, they have to you pour your candy up. out and have your parents like look through that, look through it. I was I was probably probably eight years old. I remember mom taking the the fruit out of the the bag and cutting it up because they there might have be something injected in it. something in and there. You know, even at the time, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> Right. We get introduced to Frank Stewart at the house because they're promoting the special during it. Frank Stewart. He's perfect. Is perfect. He's a, yeah. He's. He's. I mean, wow. He is by far the best character in this movie. That that's the most perfectly cast and acted like, role. You knew this guy, just that, like, right? Like, well, it's yeah. 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 Well, this guy is still around, but he was certainly more prevalent back then. But just that local news reporter that thinks they're hot mm-hmm. shit and. That is the most important thing around, and they know more than it anybody is a else. Brilliant performance, like it's it's better than this movie deserves or should have had. But like, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. like, it just the, the different shades of this guy that you see throughout the film, and and keeping his composure with it, and able to like sift little things there. Like even when they he he promotes about it, talks about the seance going on. And she says, are you going to talk to Elvis? And this, his reaction to that's perfect. And from what I understand, there will be a seance where viewers can call in. Right, oh, Gavin. Absolutely true. So are you guys going to contact Elvis? <laughs> Just for you, Deb. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, like the way he, yeah. he treats like, the like crowd he, around and just, oh, my gosh. Like, he's serious, but at the same time, he kind of is, like, a jerk about it as well. He'll have a serious question, and then, like, a minute later, he'll just act like, oh, this is stupid, right, folks? Like, man, this is your job. Take it seriously, but it's just how they yeah. are. They promote the, the special. It's about uh, going into a haunted house. It's basically, uh, we'll get into it more in a little while, but it's basically the the original Amityville story, pretty much, about the, uh, the, the kid oh. who killed everyone in the rooms mm-hmm. but refurbished yeah. for this during the newscast and throughout this special one of the probably the most appealing the most talked about aspect you'll get from this is the commercials because this plays straight up like a broadcast with all the commercials intact and these yeah. commercials i, I want to before we you know there's you know we, we laugh and stuff but the best thing about them is they played these things straight and they didn't try to make every one of them some like comedic piece of genius or winking or anything. They played it straight, and that's mm. 
why this movie succeeds so well with these things. The closest thing that you, you get to these now are the commercials at the drive-in <laughs> <laughs> that really cracked me up because they made me think of this. They made me think of like public access TV and they made me think of the, the 80s stuff. They absolutely get every inch of what these commercials looked and felt like. It's kind of amazing, really. Mm-hmm. They just... Yeah, and I mean, some of it's new footage, well, some of it's probably archive stuff they found, but it's just impressive. It, uh, it looks genuine. Yeah, my my favorite commercial was uh, Phil's Carpet Which, Warehouse. shows up because... throughout oh. this. Yeah, yeah. It, like that's as wacky as they get. I mean, other than than the um, like the PSAs. I mean, those aren't yeah. wacky, but they are sensationalized, over the top, very much PSAs of that time. But the Phil's Carpet Warehouse. It's a guy standing in front of carpet, telling you to buy carpet with banjo music playing in the background. Come on now, Phil's Carpet Warehouse. We got floor rugs, bathroom rugs, shag rugs, oriental rugs, whatever you need. We got it. When are you gonna do something about that old carpet? Here we are, coming up on the holidays. Family coming over. How can you let it go any longer? No excuse for that, especially when our prices are so so low. And get this, seven ninety nine installed with padding. You cannot beat that anywhere. I guarantee it. Plenty of time to get it done for the holidays. Get this. Your first payment will not come until next spring. Trust me, Phil. You're going to love it when you get our low, low bill. Yeah. That was, oh, that was perfect. I love, like, I was just, like, every commercial break, it's like, all right, it's another commercial break. Maybe we'll see he, Phil again. He shows again. up, like, like oh, four or five times oh. through this. And I, yeah. I yeah. love, there's a lot of, like, storylines are weaving and winding with the commercials. My favorite is there's a commercial for an arcade. That uh, arcade and pizzeria. Yeah. There's a there's a commercial for a show called Galaxy Pilot. I love oh, yeah. Galaxy. Yeah, Pilots. it's this low rent sci-fi show. And then well, there's a commercial for the shops at Chesterton Mall, which also includes the arcade again, and then has an autograph signing event with the star of Galaxy Pilot on there. Like coming yes, Saturday at four for is... the star. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But I see like stuff like that because like we don't always see like like commercial for local businesses, but you know shows like 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 actual like local shows. And I thought this this town is like Springfield yes. from The Simpsons. Where they have everything. Yeah, they have. They have every kind of business imaginable, and they make their own local scripted Remind me television. Of, I got UHF uh, flashbacks. Uh, the, the Weird Al movie yes, had a lot was, of feeling of that. Yeah, uh, certainly. Some of the movies they have that were uh, doggone it. The the woman who finds the <laughs> oh, dog. Yeah. Uh, the the horror movie they're showing is a sarcophagus. She had a really sweet looking yes. yeah. Monday mummy. There's a, a, a TV show called Chicago Lightning featuring the cops uh, Dutch and Badger, and a TV guy called it Hot, <laughs> Fresh, and Bad to the Bone. Ah, that yeah. looked painful. Had, uh, armed to Strike, which would look like some sort of take on Rolling Thunder. How about uh, Wind Up Wildlife? Yeah. Because the zoo is only open so many hours a day, so just buy this tape every month. Yes. And we'll send you a video of different animals. Oh, one thing you don't see anymore that the spot with me was 1-900-MONSTER. Hey, creeps. Do you want to hear horrifying tales of vampires, zombies, werewolves, and more? Then pick up your phone and dial the premier horror hotline. 1-900-MONSTER. Talk directly to demons so scary you'll be dying for more. Under 18, we'll get your parents' permission before calling. Two dollars for the first minute, forty-five cents each additional minute. One nine hundred monster. Dial in and freak out. 
with the the call oh, yeah. lines and this that commercial was perfect they had like the the slow-mo yeah. the just the makeup on people and stuff and, and the, the the fog and these were like call lines where i mean you just call to listen to scary stories and he had to pay for it and we had these with yeah. every there's like call lines for everything in like the 80s and 90s it was ridiculous yeah, I think that's what the kids should be coming up to you, Troy, and asking you, like, is this, like, a real thing? Like, no, people didn't do this, right? $2 a, for the first like, minute, no, and then 25 happen. cents each additional? Yeah. Yeah. No, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find myself saying that quite a lot. No, that happened. I mean, they just give you that look of, what? <laughs> Where did you come I mean, from? A lot of these were, like, talk to a woman on the line. But yes, uh, they did yes. have these like yeah. horrible, like I would call them and like listen to the point where they would tell you they were gonna charge for those things. It was just mm-hmm. really funny. Hell, uh, Robert England did a movie, yeah, right? Nine seven six. That's entirely that premise. <laughs> Which I guess Pulse was it with Kristen yeah. Bell? They kind of updated that, but that was the the same kind of premise. Uh, incidentally, I love that they make fun of Pulse in uh, Forgetting Sarah yes. Marshall. <laughs> I don't think I've seen anything remotely in the neighborhood of one for years, but the, the commercial for the oh, strip yes. club yeah. is holding Shining Trapeze yes. Strip Club. That was. Girls, girls, girls. You want them? We got them. Come see the hottest babes this side of the beach. Get your can down to the Shining Trapeze. Every Saturday is our eggs and legs special. Breakfast buffet with half-price lap dances. The Shining Trapeze Strip Club. I also thought it was weird to have a commercial for a strip club during a local news special. <laughs> they had like the Good Standings Bar and Grill, too, with a local band. So they're mm-hmm. advertising a bar. So Oh, yeah. oh, oh Closed for Repairs <laughs> was the name of one of them. Yes. And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. That, that, hit, that hit like every like music sweet spot I have because it, it's exactly the too clever local band right. name. Because if you put Closed for Repairs on the sign... No one's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, closed for repairs. Uh, no one showed up. I actually had to pause because I was laughing so hard at that. Because the worst fucking part of being in a band is naming it. And, you know, it, it's, but it's like some of the things are just so oddly specific that they get so right. And like, I can't remember the other band names, but man, Closed for Repairs absolutely slayed me. It was just. There's like a string where they hit music stuff. There's the Feel the Steel metal. Feel hits. the Steel. Like, Heaven yes. is Afraid was one of the songs. Well, that was that was so specific, too, because it was you were you were in the transition of the very early Nawabum, you know, new wave of British heavy metal was like early eight very early 80s was maiden and priest and like these bands that like really kind of scared the shit out of your parents that Mm -hmm. had and like ozzy you know and for a few years and then like crew came in and like what became the hair bands and it was like all first songs like the rockin song second song is the ballad (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and you, you very short jump from, you know, Maiden doing Number of the Beast to Crew doing Home Sweet Home. I mean, there's really like two years <laughs> in there. <laughs> there's just something really elementally intuitive about the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms. I wonder how long they talked about this, because this is not stuff that you construct on the fly. I mean, the the mechanism for writing this and everything that went into it it seems like this was really nurtured over a long period of time right. because they had to really get those grace notes just perfect. I think they outsourced mm-hmm. some of the commercials for projects for people. 
Well, they they would have to because there's so many commercials on this thing. I th- when I was watching yeah. it, I was like, God, this is a cast of hundreds. Right. There's so many people, and like, it doesn't look like anyone's getting reused. You know, uh-huh. like in different parts. Um, also, go with the music is the uh, the quarry the channel that the, the yeah. program the the, the yes. biggest hair and the baddest attitudes that some TVs go up to M, ours goes up to Q. Yeah, the, the quarry. When I heard that, like most TVs go up to M, like I, I, we had a knob. I don't remember there being letters on it though. Yeah, there was the regular channels, and then the yeah. other one was letters on uh-huh. the the dial. You had two dials on your TV. And because you'd have two antennas, mm-hmm. yep. And, and one would one would go, you know, letters. And I guess they went up to M. I couldn't recall that. I had a little black and white TV, yeah, in my room that had uh, UHF stuff on there. So did I. One of the things I tell my kids, particularly when it comes to the the comic book films and stuff, I'm like, you guys have no idea. You have none. Just what it was like. <laughs> We had to we had to yeah. find reasons to defend the, the Captain America the, the nine, yeah. 1991 yeah. because that's all we had. Yep, we were cavemen, cavemen. <laughs> yeah, we had that, and if you were lucky, the '66 Batman, and that is it. Mm-hmm. Did you guys enjoy the the tampon commercial with the tennis players? <laughs> oh God, yeah. There is again, like just these oddly specific things because yeah. you know Chris Everett, the this did. Those tampon commercials. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the first. I'm like, holy crap! You would have the tennis player doing the tampon. It's like what a weirdly specific thing to to hit. But so, so does this town make tampons? Because again, it doesn't look like it's a national commercial. It yeah. looks like a local commercial. So there must be like yeah. a local tampon factory in this town. The only thing that looks national is the. The Burgers book. Oh, yeah. The Abomination yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, I, I think some... Like, the the 1-900-Monster, that's what those things all look like, and those are national commercials. Mm, that's true. Yeah. I guess that's true. Tampon commercials don't look like that. They, they're they shot and lit a little bit better than what we saw. I do want to talk about the, the, the political commercials, because <laughs> all of them are attack ads. There's one of them... That I think it's like accusing because there's like the the incumbent governor, and then there's the other guy, and this other guy is responsible for higher taxes, gun control, and abortions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, and they're like big, bold, capitalized letters. The whole screen was higher taxes, gun control, abortions. It's like holy yeah. crap. No ad would put abortions like right. in it. And then there's the the oil. Is it like an oil company or something that gets involved in the political stuff? We're like, we're doing our part. Are you? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It was the it was an energy company, and they're talking about it, it was it was spun in a really weird way. I mean, I, I just all I remember is laughing at it, like the kind of the ridiculousness yeah. of the. I love yeah the, all the commercials. They, there's arcs going through some of these commercials that play just so naturally. It doesn't feel forced, or and it's like if you're not paying attention, you might not catch them. There's a lot of stuff that's spaced really well, and they go together. I mean, it's hard to explain. It's one of those movies, like when when Brandon first brought it up, I was I was a little skeptical, and it's like the more I was watching it, I'm like, man. I know I'm going to think about how fun this thing was later. I'm just going to think how weirdly specific it all is. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, did uh, you guys remember the Oak Ridge popcorn commercial? Oh, yeah. I'm hot. 
I'm so hot. I'm steaming inside. I'm going to explode. York Ridge Popcorn. It's that good. Also available and unsalted. It they're, sounds like a sex phone line. Yeah, their taglines yeah. so great. It's that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was getting aroused. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> well, I went and the... I made a bowl. Of, I went and I made a bowl of popcorn, and I just felt it up the rest of the movie. Right. I didn't even eat it; I just rubbed against it. They also Jiffy had the the hot thing at the moment in the late '80s was wine coolers, and they even had a wine cooler oh, yeah. commercial. In the yeah. biggest bottle ever, right? It was yeah. like a bottle of brandy, but it was a wine cooler. <laughs> Like if you want to drink an entire case of wine cooler, but just in one bottle, good news. This is yeah. the wine cooler for you. Man, wine coolers were so big, they had commercials of Bruce Willis singing about wine coolers to a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Stuff that... that it was fucking Seagram's Golden It was Golden Wine Coolers, whatever I think it was. It was during but, yeah. that Bruno phase too, so he was like playing harmonic. That is something that could only have been made at that time. So those are like the commercials. Those are a lot of fun throughout this. Um, Some of them repeat, like that Destruction Derby has the exact same ad show up like three times. They said they wanted it to to feel like a normal, you know, know, sometimes you'll see that when you're watching these things. So authenticity was a big deal to them. In addition to doing news, I would run the commercials during local college and high school sporting events. And you played the same damn commercials over and over and over. And like to this day, I still remember jingles from yeah. those commercials I ran in 1993. The Halloween special. We, we get done with the news. And it goes right in the Halloween special. And it has like a great like opening. It all started in the summer of 1967. Teenager Donald Weber discovered an old wooden spirit board in the attic of the new house he and his family had just moved into. The spirit board, a device critics believe opens a doorway to both spirits and demons, quickly became Donald's obsession. Over the course of the next few months, Donald's fixation with the occult skyrocketed, and his use of the game became a daily routine. In his later court testimonies, Weber claimed that spirits from the board were contacting him, demanding that he commit serious criminal acts. Vandalism, theft, and even murder. And then one fateful night in September 1967, Donald Weber took an axe, creeped into his parents' bedroom, and decapitated them. Weber called the police himself, and when authorities arrived, they found young Donald sitting on the curb, mumbling about how the demons made him do it. He was convicted of first-degree murder and executed in 1981. But since these heinous crimes, no one ever moved back into the accursed Weber house. Local eccentrics believe it to be haunted, an actual passageway between our world and the spirit world, a building where demons and spooks can roam free and threaten the lives of the living. You know, as cheesy and like as period-centric as this movie is, I think it's effective. It's like creepy, the way Mm -hmm. his voice and the the pictures are showing kind of reminds me of that feeling I got back when those on uh, Nickelodeon they'd advertise them a lot those Encyclopedia Britannica, Britannica series the special one that oh, yeah. was based on like supernatural alien the encounters and world. stuff and those were like scarier than like anything on TV you like I always mysteries of the unknown yeah 
I yes. would I would want to change the channel when those came on because it would creep me and, out no matter what time of day. And they didn't like day. show they didn't show anything graphic or or anything. It was just like like still images that are slowly being zoomed on, and then they would like that turn voice. into a negative. Yeah, in the voice. Yeah, and the voice, and it was uh, yeah. Encyclopedia had those ads, and then that douchey kid in the white room. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. It kind of reminded me of that stuff and those like TV special. I mean, they get creepy like that. Just the way they presented, it was genuine. It it felt right with it. And then, you know, we get to hang out with Frank Stewart and his producer Veronica Stans, who did a news story with the broadcast yeah, yeah. earlier. I thought that I thought that was weird. That like a news producer was on camera and also doing stories. Yeah, and that, that, yeah. that's just the. A little thing to me it's not like i watched it. it was like i'm out of the movie this is ridiculous now but it was just something like that's odd well it's odd too because she does the news story but yet looks incredibly awkward on camera during any time it cuts yes. to her in this that's another like friend or or, or, or something or maybe they just they didn't want to bring anyone else just had her do that news story to fill in there they didn't have Maybe it was they didn't realize she'd be doing both of these at the time that they were making it because it's super low budget. Yeah. Or... yeah. Right. Had yeah. I not seen this movie more than once, I wouldn't have caught that she was in the earlier news story as well. And for all we know, she was part of the laser brigade on uh, Galaxy Pilots. <laughs> yes. Right. This house. It starts with you know him outside and the the crowd asking them them questions and I, I, the thing I like about the crowd is. They look like a bunch of doofuses that would be hanging out, like the way they stare at the camera and the way they behave in the background. There's like the one girl that like yep. constantly is like keeping a smile on her face because she thinks that's what you got to do. You know, his his behavior around them is like keeping professional while slipping here and there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, then uh, there's a guy who comes in like yelling blasphemy about this whole thing. Like you're going to hell or whatever. And they quickly gets the guy out of there gets all pissed off you know sending things to commercial always mm-hmm. always yeah. at, always no at big moments shit. if something's gonna hit the fan they'll go to a commercial first yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's that's good that's how it would happen there's we'll, we'll get to it there, there's a special near the end there's a couple of moments where like when they go to commercials like yeah that would that's what they would do in a situation like this when they they bring in the basically our Ed and Lorraine Warren folks with uh, Lewis and Claire uh, Berger, who are our paranormal investigators, um, like the Warrens, they got the equipment. They, you know, Claire's a, like a medium that can sense stuff. It, it basically, we're playing on the Amityville story, which the the mm-hmm. Warrens were a part of. I was gonna say, in the, in the priest until the revelation later. I mean, he's he's the Rod Steiger character, right? Yeah. Know? Going back to what I talked about, the Satanic Panic thing, and like how, like in a weird sort of way, Ed and Lorraine Warren figured into that, like as tertiary characters, that they were in the Amityville story which you know people fucking believed <laughs> yeah you know for the longest time and you know they're kind of rep and like all their books and their museum and all the inquiry appearances and everything when they start they give a little uh montage you know pre-recorded voiceover narration with pictures and stuff about the, the kid that killed his parents donald weber the son in 1967 he found uh like a ouija board and he, he was using it for a while, and then he like he, the board told him to kill his parents, and so he did. He he went in and decapitated their parents, mm-hmm. and that uh-huh. and that and that's like where the the haunting and all the spiritual stuff comes from. The Ouija board, yeah, they, those were 
ooh, those are, you know, the, the super satanic thing, even though they sold them at retail stores. That's Yeah, Parker yeah. Brothers made it. Parker, Yeah, it's yeah. made by Parker Brothers. It's not like you're going to some, like, cryptic underground, like, New York shop, and I'll get it. Don't tell anybody. I'll get it in the back. And Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's Parker it, Brothers. It, it, <laughs> and, and that's circling through right now, too, because you've got the, the Ouija films going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the 80s, you had witchboards and stuff. So yeah. I mean, it was kind of vibrating through there. But, you know, now it's it's also a, a horror thing of of present. Yeah. And, you know, they, they focus on this is a house that's been abandoned for, you know, that 20 years. And rather than going with the Amityville with the people reporting of stuff that was happening in there, which I've always found the original Amityville story, the of the, the the murders that they thought were haunting, like creepier than the actual thing with yeah. the, the people in the house, and I, that's why I, I actually I'm I'm weird. I, I like the second Amityville film better than the first one because they they really you know they go for they play around with the idea and add some supernatural stuff to it, making it yeah. fun. But mm-hmm. I think that the story of the guy, the kid that just randomly you know in the middle of the night shoots his you know siblings and his parents. With yeah. Like no explanations creepier than the, you know, was there really like, you know, flies in a room and all the weird stuff. Have you ever read the, the Jay Anson book at all? No, or... I, I have not. I, I did. And I mean, a long time ago. And the thing that struck me as kind of hilarious about it in retrospect is how many exclamation points the guys use, <laughs> uh, which which is, I guess, totally a writer thing to notice. But as I was reading it, like every other sentence seems to have an exclamation point. And I'm like. Oh, I get who he's pitching this at. It's not me. <laughs> he's, he's he's really like overselling it in a WWE announcer kind of way, you know. <laughs> the place has been abandoned for like 20 years. No one's in the house. Then, you know, the the crew and the burgers, uh, they go in. They talk for a little bit and then what the the cat like uh, runs off, right? And then it's like, "All right, well, then they call in the father, uh, the priest. And it's not like he's walking in from outside. He like walks around the corner and it's like, wait, were you just hanging out in there? Right, yeah. Waiting to be called over? They do. So that was which, super weird. Well, which I, is very local news. You know, hey, just stand just off camera and we'll pull you in when it's time to. Right. Here's your mark. Yeah. But, but it looks like he was like already in the house. Yeah. That's so weird. Well, I like they they do clear the crowd out of there before they go in the house. They make sure like, yeah, no one's here. We're all alone. And they also mention that they see a flash upstairs before they go in. And he's like, nobody's been in here. I'll admit that spooked me a little bit. I was waiting for something to happen because I don't know. It's about forty minutes into the movie before they finally actually go inside yeah. the house. Right. You know. So this... like the, the the whole time I'm watching, I'm waiting for like something weird to happen in the background. I'm. I'm watching the background in this movie as much as the foreground. And yeah. when that finally I happened, that. it was like, ah, crap. This whole scenario is also revolving, like kind of reminds me of not, it's not horror by any means, but they had that big thing with the, was it uh, Al Capone's like secret? Uh, oh my like, God, like, Brandon. Uh, I just looked up the date on that because I wanted to comment about it. April 21st, 1986. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Cause it was all, yeah. everybody became all about uncovering these mysteries of things like, just wait, mm-hmm. just wait. We're gonna go in. We're gonna find something. Yeah, and it was nothing. They go in this house, and of course, Claire Berger like feels a presence immediately. So, which is ironic, <laughs> <laughs> with the inevitable conclusion. But they they wander around the house, and then they end up coming back at one point. They hear like they hear like noises or something, and they come back, and their equipment's been destroyed. Yeah, they were gonna go down to the 
basement, right? And then they heard a bunch of smashing, and they go back, and yeah, they had the EVP. Well, that, that that's a little farther ahead, I think, but yeah, that that definitely happens. They do the live seance where you can call in, which is always a good mm-hmm. idea. But I love before that the the guy Lewis bitches about his equipment right before. He's like, I. I have a question for you, Frank. Yes. Who broke my record? And who's paying for the guy? Well, it seemed like a demonic entity did it, Dr. Berger. And as far as the payment, as I said before, repeatedly, we'll discuss that with my producer afterwards. We'll figure that all out. Just relax. Let's get into the mood of the seance, okay? It's difficult without the cat, without the equipment. All right, let's get back to the seance. Okay, caller. They do an EVP recording, which, you know, is supposed to be recordings of, of ghosts but you know it's getting spiritual sounds or whatever through electronics and they play it back and they say it's leave which is funny because that can't be a ghost saying leave as we find out in this movie they're just they're just making it up they're they're basically charlatans yes well well yeah, yeah like you know like when they they, they play it the first time and uh frank the the uh, the news guy he says and like i didn't hear i don't hear anything and then they tell him it says leave here, listen again, and then you listen to it again. And like, oh, I can see what you're trying to make me believe. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah, which which is again, it goes back to uh, something that I mentioned earlier. The with all the metal trials about the same time, and this is um, if you ever seen the uh, Ozzy Osbourne behind the music episode, where they intercut the lawyer that was really convinced Ozzy was trying to kill people with his records, and Ozzy reacting, and he's like. You play this song backwards, you can hear it. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Get the gun, get the gun. Shoot, shoot, shoot. And they cut back to Ozzy, and he's like, I'm speechless, man. I'm speechless. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's that. It's that exactly. People you know, like you said, the power of suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you tell them, you tell them, it says that. It says that. I'm an expert. It says that. They're like making that appeal to rationality in something that's completely irrational. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trust me. I'm a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the live stance, all the calls that come in are just like ridiculous. Okay, we've got our first caller. It's uh, Ian from Fairview. Okay, Ian. All right, let's take a listen. Ian, go ahead with your question. Iron Maiden rules! White Lion sucks! Okay, I, re- I really don't understand that. It's obviously some kind of crank call. Listen, people, this is a very serious thing. We've got one of the experts in the world. This is the first live on TV seance. Please let's not waste her time or our time and call in with your real questions for the entities in this house. Let's, let, let's, let's go to Fran. Okay, what's your question? Yeah, uh, uh, I was wondering if you could contact my dead grandmother and call her a bitch. Okay, all right, stop. First of all, with the language, okay, we're on television here. Seriously, we've got to have questions about the entities in this house. All of the phone calls are just garbage. (laughs) You know, they're not helpful at all. Like, the one that actually turns out to be something that you don't realize, I guess, at the time is when the religious people or whatever, they call up and yell about blasphemy and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's the only one that ends up meaning anything, but you have, you don't really know that at the time. They end up finding the cat dead. Yeah. After the live seance. And I love the guy, the cameraman pans down. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Stop that. And then they, they go to the producer. It was like, um, here's a story about a dentist. 
Like I said, they just like play that again because like, um, um, what do we do? Do this. Um. And then we also a little bit after that we get the Veronica Stan Satanism story. Yeah, the Ted Sheets Satan worshiper is in it, and also talks about someone from Dayton, Ohio, that sacrificed cats to get closer to the Dark Lord. I like in that one they have that that cop and they have him like in the shadows, but they didn't change his voice at all. The anonymous cop talking about the the decapitated ghost that walked around. Yeah, yeah. and then like all the cops were outside and they're like, we don't talk about this ever. Like, no, okay. But but how big is this town? Someone has to know who that cop is. (laughs) Although apparently it's big enough to have like an airline because that was from the local commercials as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like I said, it's Springfield. They have everything. Frank and the group, they end up going to check out the basement, and they um, the burgers ended up getting pissed off and leaving, and the priest and Frank get locked in the basement and are having yeah. a hard time getting out. And we then find out that Frank wants the priest to perform an exorcism, which he's nervous about, doesn't want to do, doesn't want to do. And then we find out he's a hired actor. And he also pees his pants so hard it runs down the stairs. Right. Yes. While they're stuck in the basement, they send in a third cameraman. He was just an intern. He was just an intern. He goes in the house and he's, you know, breathing all sorts of funny. And he, we then see like a cloaked figure hit him with an axe. Mm-hmm, he's like, what, mm-hmm. what, oh, what's going on here? And it's like, oh shit. But Frank then is able to get out of the basement and he is met with a cloaked figure with an axe. And we get to Veronica who sends it to commercial. And then we come back with like technical difficulties. And, and again, it's, an, it's another thing that a local TV station, like, I'm out of ideas, just put the slide up. Yeah, or we don't know yeah. what we want to put on TV here. Uh, mm-hmm. And we then get the news footage from inside, and it's the lady from the original uh, Satanism story, the big Christian lady. And they've got everyone dead but Frank, and then they end up, like, cutting out Frank's tongue. The dude from outside's with them, too. But they cut out Frank's tongue, we get static... And then we get the, the news story from, like, days later or the next week back with Gavin and Deborah, And uh, we realize that Frank and that crew has been missing since that time. Their body's not recovered. Deborah still has that smile and demeanor. Wait, yeah, yeah, they talk about someone that they work with. It's like, well, he's missing. And, well, I mean, we saw what happened, so he's probably dead. It's not a hoax. And then, she, you know, she goes right into... Christmas is right around the corner. Right, like, yeah. Oh my god! Yes. But like, yeah, Gavin talks about how it's a rough week for them there at the the news station. But uh, I mean, this movie, I mean, for for what it's been the whole time, and I think I think it does like through the house and stuff adds an. If you were, I think if you were of the era, it adds a little bit of spookiness to it that's effective. But it gets really dark at the very yeah. like w- within a matter of, of a short period of like a minute and a half. It's a very dark movie. Like you could you could say this is almost like uh, despite maybe a couple language choices here and there, this is an all ages movie up till this last like minute and a half of Frank. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too because th- there's two really great bits there. Like the you kind of presume since you can kind of see it's the guy that comes at Frank, just the way that it's shot. You can tell it's the it's the guy of the yeah. pair, which mm-hmm. seems to intuit that the woman is the one who takes out the cameraman, which is kind of interesting that they put her in that kind of position like first kill goes to crazy (laughs) yeah crazy religious lady but the thing that i find really interesting as you get to the end of it is what the hell happened to the bodies um which i find is really kind of because you would presume that 
they see all this going on, and they're going to call the cops, and like the SWAT team's going in. And mm-hmm. if you go to any of the neighborhood fairs and stuff, like where they have the national night out and stuff, where they have the local police department, fire department come out and like do games and entertain the kids, like, man, th- we've got like a SEAL team in terms of what those guys <laughs> carry. Yeah. You know, now, I mean, they, they've got Kevlar like, to cover them head to toe, they've got laser scopes on their m16s and automatic shotguns <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and like even in the 80s you know you had some fairly militarized swat units like you think those guys are going to be bursting in and ready to like shoot something and mm-hmm. so and the sound isn't that small because like, yeah. like i said we, there's all this stuff they have in this town so it's got to be big enough to have a pretty significant sized police force yeah, so I'm really interested in terms of what they're presuming to say, like how they get them out <laughs> or what they did yeah. with the... Because they still have to the, be in the house because it looks like it's part of the broadcast, right? It, uh-huh. it, it doesn't look like this is like footage like sent in like weeks later. It looks like... It's it's from... It's like like the what the news camera... They picked up one of the news cameras. That yes, was exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. they said that the like um the producer she said that the police were on their way before Frank got attacked. So like, where the hell are they in this house? Is it Crystal Lake where people just go in the lake and then police don't even bother to look in there? <laughs> Some kind of like hidden compartment, like a like an underground railroad part of like the house or something like that. That's not like easily known about. You know what I mean? Right. Something like that. Like maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I do like this move. This little, you know, cute nostalgic movie makes a huge statement in the reveal with like, you know, all the stuff getting bl- Satanism getting blamed on everything, and it winds up being the like Christian people, the uh, the, yep. the, the mm-hmm. church go that are are responsible for these horrific murders of these people just for going in a haunted house on Halloween, and they were the villains the whole time of this era, not any not any Satanist. Right, and there's corroborating evidence of the 80s because, similarly, kind of the thing that killed off the satanic panic wasn't that it burned out on its own. It was that Jim Baker went down. It was that Swaggart went down. That all of these big moral figures, like, they're having affairs, they're laundering money, they're into drugs. As Mm -hmm. those televangelists started to fall, it kind of blunted it. Like the McCarthyism of the 80s, almost. Yeah. The actual process of it was more harmful than who were being accused. They didn't do anything. Certainly the McMartin trial that I referenced earlier is probably the biggest example of that. I mean, if you've never really heard about it, you know, definitely look into the McMartin thing. And he's like, these people's lives were ruined by this crazy bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's really interesting <laughs> to see reflections of that as they kind of reverberate through through media and gets really dark at the end but it is a fun movie for all the nostalgia buttons that it hits but Mm -hmm, you're right it does it does hit on some things that were very present not to get too much into it but you do see it's interesting in today's political climate what people are willing to believe (laughs) yeah (laughs) mm -hmm. evidence to the contrary it's kind of the same forces in a way that, that shaped that dialogue. And it's kind of the same people that buy into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true horror of the horror movie. 
You're watching WNUF TV 28. Now we reach the point, like every episode, where we rate the film we just discussed. Our options are stay with your family, means uh, you turned off the WNUF special, didn't even set your VCR to record it, uh, converted, you're a big time watcher of TV 28 WNUF News, and drink of the Kool Aid, which means you were probably helping out with the demise of Frank Stewart. Uh, so anyways, uh, uh, Troy, how do you rate the WNUF Halloween special? I am going to go with converted with an option for Kool-Aid because I think that if I saw it more, I think that there's a chance I would increase my rating. But I'm definitely solid on this movie. It's one of those films as you're watching it, like I know who I'm going to recommend it to. <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody about it yet in the interest of kind of like not having the discussion before coming on with you guys. Yeah, it's a discussion I'm going to be having. <laughs> All right, Cullen? I I went back and forth on this uh, a little bit. I, I love the concept. I, I do think it could have been executed a little bit better. I, I know that they're trying to make it look like it's an actual special, which I appreciate. But then, you know, like it takes like a half... I mean, not a half hour, like 20 minutes, but it takes a long time before you even get to the special. And all of the news, the actual news show before the special takes place. I'm just sitting there watching it thinking, like, why is this even in this movie? And that never really went away that much. There's a lot of good stuff about, like, the commercials. But that's also, let's say that the best thing about the movie are the commercials but the worst thing about about the movie are the commercial breaks because there's so many commercial breaks in this thing and some of them i don't think they could they weren't placed really well and that kind of kind of screwed up the pacing and like i said i know it's supposed to be like a tv show and that kind of helps with that but there were times where i wondered like should i just fast forward through it because there's times when the movie itself fast forwards and like i i know some of these commercials don't mean anything but maybe they do so I was kind of back and forth on it, and I will say that through talking about it, I've decided that I am converted on it, but it is on the it is on the low end of, of converted, honestly. Up until we started talking about it, I was going to stay with my family, but talking about it and thinking about it, it had just, just that little bit uh, grew on me. But it's, like I said, it is on the low end. Brandon, how do you rate it? The first time you see it, your first reaction is you want to be, I, I would be like, Drinking the Kool Aid for sure. It's 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 a uh, just wins you over right away. But does it hold up after multiple times? And I, I think for me it kind of it has. It's become sort of like I can see it being like traditional like Halloween watching. I think the first time I think the first time I saw it was last year. So I'm seeing it again this year. And as long as you keep it to that, or maybe every other year throw it in your Halloween horror movie watching, so you can distance yourself and. F- you know, sort of mentally forget about some of the commercials that go on and some of the details in it, and they kind of freshen upon you again because there are so many commercials, you can't, like, just remember them off the top of your head. They're going to surprise again, and it's really fun in that aspect. It's solid, but I think somewhere in the movie, the commercial breaks do start to wear on you where it's, uh-huh. like, it's too many, and they're, they're becoming less interesting, a little more repetitive, but there will be one, like, the, the Shining Trapeze strip club that pops up in there, and, like, re-energizes things a little bit but i i do like the genuine attitude that they they kind of straight face the whole thing 
rather than you know wink it would have been really easy and tempting just to sit and be jokey about it this isn't for like probably a lot of younger people that can't remember a time like this unless they're really millennials will hate it it really hits the nostalgia buttons big i got a real big soft spot for it i i I really want to go on the light side of drink the kool-aid but i think i'm just going to go on a high side of converted for it because it's it's i think it's a lot of fun i think it's something you want to tell people about and show them and have them share in that experience that you have the first time watching it and i i do think it's it's part of my, you know, October viewing to watch. Yeah, I just hope more people like check it out. It's it's something interesting. The it's it's kind of the right way to do something like this, which a lot of times we're in a period where a lot of people are making things similar and not totally grasping how to do it and getting carried away um, yeah. in the wrong way. So yeah, I'll I'll stick with. Uh, just a, a solid converted. Well, on behalf of all of the pranksters here at WNUF, we want to wish you a very scary and happy Halloween. <laughs> on the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, well, let's talk about the next month on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, November, which is a month where people uh, give their thanks. We are going to be embarking on a journey giving our thanks to auteur neil breen whom we are very thankful for after november i will no longer fear or hell because i have seen all of neil breen's films and i've already experienced it <laughs> so neil breen look him up uh if you haven't heard of him if you think tommy Wiseau is something special this guy's the real deal i mean he makes tommy Wiseau look like orson wells like the director <laughs> not like yeah. the food enthusiast and we'll go into more about neil breen the person uh, with our episodes, but be prepared. All his films are very easy to find if you have YouTube and able to watch. I know one of them is on Amazon Prime, but we'll be starting with his first film from 2005 called Double Down. Stay tuned, which means we will probably have another month full of more than just two episodes for you. So enjoy. So be our thankful trauma. for that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, want to thank you, everybody, for tuning into the special uh, edition of. Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I want to especially thank Troy for coming on here and talking WNUF Halloween special with us. Thank you, guys. Yep. Uh, Troy, where, where can people find the work you're doing? Well, a good place to start would be sparkshooter.com, which is where the home of my webcomics. Yeah, I'm on social media and a variety of places. You know, follow me on Twitter, at Troy Brownfield, and you know they can keep up to date on all kinds of stuff I'm doing there. This episode has come to an end. We look forward to next week but first stay tuned for the trailer for double down the trailer that actually trails las vegas where anything goes enjoy it while you can i'm about to end it all my name is aaron brand i always thought i was doing the right thing and preparing for life i was the first in my class in college in computer science I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. I'm now a covert agent, mercenary for any nation that wants to control another. I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. I control access to anything and everything, even from my little simple, brilliant setup. My orders from another country are to shut down the Las Vegas Strip for two months. 
I've been given this great power, but I'm so alone without the girl I love. My girlfriend and I always wanted to have children. I love you. And now all of that's been taken away from me. Confirmed. Oh, jeez. He is planning something very big. Bigger than 9-11, or any of the other larger catastrophes we caught in time after 9-11. It's me. Give me the president. Contact has been made. Governments don't dare try to kill me. Where does he go? He's on a quest. Don't ask, he's protected. You're a genius. The best. But you know that. No. This time, it's personal. I can't forget her. Nor forgive them for what they did to us. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's starting now. is over. Get out. I've got the package. It's a setup. No sex. Don't ask how I found you. I know everything. It broke open. Run. Holy shit, it's him. So many questions. I'm so confused. I can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. My country. You're, you're the one. Our daughter Megan was just diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh no, I'm so sorry. An assassination. We want to kill someone. Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of Brandon's work at whysoblue.com and on Twitter at BT Peters. Podcast produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon. Narration by Becky. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Someone from Dayton, Ohio that sacrificed cats to get closer to the dark lord yeah it's... which is you know more of the I, I i cannot remember it the name of it the satan scare what is it the satanic panic satanic panic I, I i i know and i shouldn't be able to remember it <laughs> it's catchy that's why it scared people and i can't yep. remember it i'm immune yep. to the ills of satan apparently and rhyming right